0: Thank you, Marcus. Thank you to this eldership team. What a privilege it is. Um, People get into positions like this and they say, I'm humbled. I'm not humbled. I am privileged to be here and to be speaking to you. And uh, I want to thank you for this opportunity. Um, Just glad to hear from Meg. And just greetings to our Firebrand folk as well watching. It's midnight for them. Actually, about half hour after midnight for them, I think or somewhere around there, maybe it's actually one o'clock in the morning by now, Um, but uh, they wanted to watch, so great that you guys could join us, and everyone watching from home as well, uh, greetings from us, and thank you so much for your very warm welcome, we are so glad to be here. Um, Firebrand is six and a half years old, I like to think that we're in the middle of first grade, if uh, you know anything about first grade, that's pretty much where we are as a church, And I want to thank you, Cornerstone, for your prayers. Just give me a moment, I'll be there. And you're concerned for us. Particularly for me, you know that I have a, those that know me, I have a motor neuron disease, so my legs uh, don't always do what they're told. Um, just like a first grade kid. And so um, so please keep praying for us. Keep Please keep praying for Dan as he goes through his green card process. Um, we're not going to be spending a lot of time visiting with, with folk this trip. This trip is mainly for, for family. And uh, so please just understand that we will be back. That's the good news. God willing, uh, if Jesus tarries, we will, we'll be back again in the years to come. And so... I want to tell you, my friends, God has been faithful to everything that he said he would do in our lives. There's not one thing I can look at and say, God said he would do that. He hasn't done it, except maybe my eternal salvation. That's still coming. But everything else he said he was going to do, he has done. And so I'm grateful to him. And I'm grateful for the, the music and the words that came today. They just kind of set up a wonderful platform to preach from. God is going to do something in your hearts this morning, I believe it. So turn with me if you can, in your Bibles, to Matthew chapter 13. <clears throat> I'm going to read from verse 45 and 46, just two verses, there'll be other scriptures later on, but those are my two main ones. Matthew thirteen forty-five to 46, could you bring me that water mix, it's, I left it in my, thank you. So open it up for me, thanks. That's great, yeah. Perfect, you guys are organized. Look at that, David's organized. <laughs> Thank you. Matthew 13, 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Sorry, the American comes out now and again. Pearls. Who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Whenever I'm dealing with kingdom stuff, kingdom preaching, I like to kneel. And so I'm going to try and kneel. Hopefully I can get back up again. I want to invite you to do the same. If you wouldn't mind, if you are able to to get off your chair and kneel. As Zelda said, we're dealing here with the king. I don't mean to do anything lightly here. We are dealing with the king of kings, with the Lord of lords. These are his words. And so Jesus, I pray, I kneel before you today to show that this is not about me. I'm merely a conduit today. If we are dealing with the kingdom, then there is a king. And you, don't, you do not share kingship, Lord Jesus, and you neither should you. You are Lord of all. The kingdom of heaven is yours and yours alone. And we honor you today in all that you've said and all that you've done. Thank you for your words that we get to, to share today. Thank you for your life that you shared with us, your blood that you spilt And thank you that you reign on your throne in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Matthew chapter 13 is a collection of kingdom parables. Matthew, or the author of Matthew, has collected these parables together in one chapter. And they're all kingdom parables. There's the parable of the sower or the soils. There's the parable of the mustard seed, the leaven, the buried treasure. We sang about these this morning. I call this little one that I've just read, the ridiculously expensive pearl. <laughs> and that's the title of my message this morning, the ridiculously expensive pearl. It's, I call it that because there are elements of hyperbole in Jesus' parables. If you remember back to your school years, hyperbole is the intentional exaggeration to make a point. Jesus does it all the time in his teaching. You get logs in your eye, right? How many of you have ever had a log in your eye? Right? It's a hyperbole. He speaks about the servant who owed, if you were to calculate what the servant owed his master, it's trillions and trillions of dollars, let alone rands. He even has hyperbole in his teaching about when he teaches about cutting off your hand and your, and your right eye. That's not actually going to do you any good if you would literally do that. He's, he's using hyperbole. And this little parable, this tiny little parable, two verses, lifts high the calling and the cost of church planting. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. It's a calling, I believe, that includes everyone in the church. So don't dial out because you hear church planting. I know you've heard heard it a lot. This is what this church is known for. This is what makes the enemy shake in his boots about this church. Because this is a church planting church. And this church plants church planting churches. It's a calling that includes everyone. And today I want to walk a high and a narrow path. In 2018, my brother flew out to Denver. And... uh, and we, went, we spent a couple of weeks with them. And at one point, we, we drove out of Denver up into the mountains, and we went up Pikes Peak. And Pikes Peak is uh, about 14,000 feet high. Denver is about Joburg height, 5,000, just over 5,000 feet. And uh, you drive south, you drive to Colorado Springs, and you, you head west, and you go up into the mountains, and you drive up Pikes Peak. It's the highest Tard road in North America, and you go up a further 9,000 feet up into the, above the tree line, it was summertime, so there was no snow on the ground, but, but you're really up high, and then, then there's a road that travels north along the, the Rocky Mountain Ridge, and there's times in this road where there's just a precipice on either side of you. And, uh, and if, the, if rain or snow falls, that water will eventually, if it falls to the right of that road, it'll, it'll end up going into the Mississippi and, and, into the Persian, and into the Persian Gulf, the Gulf of Mexico. You know, this is a little bit, my geography is a bit shaky, the Gulf of Mexico. And, and if it falls to, to, the, to the left of the road, it's going to end up going out into the Pacific Ocean. It's a continental divide. And that really reminds me a lot of what I'm going to be doing this morning. It's a, it's a little treacherous. There's great error on either side of the road that we want to walk on. It's up high in the mountains. That's where Jesus calls. That's where, that's where pearls are found. You have to get used to mixing metaphors if you're going to be reading Scripture. Because Scripture mixes a lot of metaphors. You see, crowds stay down in the valleys. But disciples follow Christ up into the mountains where the air is thin. Where the transfiguration takes place. Where he does the calling of his disciples. Where Jesus goes to pray. It's a gospel theme of going up into the mountains. But it's also throughout scripture. Abraham sacrificed Isaac up in the mountains. Sinai, Carmel. These are all important things for us to, to be reminded of. And I want to avoid two dangerous extremes in this little parable today. The first one is I don't want to rush in where angels fear to tread. I have a calling, I can go do it. I don't need anyone else and you thunder off ahead like the lone ranger. There is a lot of danger there. The other extreme I want to avoid is to quench this church's legacy. Of church planting, to be cynical about the cost of what it means to plant a church, I want to uphold church planting as a gospel call to change this world, but i also don 't want to set you up for failure or disaster. so we must take this little parable very seriously. we must give it the attention that it deserves. church planting is a field of battle that many don't return from and almost all come back with some kind of lump, as I am a testimony to. Every plant is uncharted territory. You might be thinking, well, you know, you planted in the USA. That doesn't sound too bad to me. I want to tell you, I've met some dragons in the USA. Every church plants... Every New Testament church is a nail in the enemy's coffin and he's going to resist it with everything that he has, but God is going to prove faithful. The ridiculously expensive pearl will cost you your life, but I want to tell you, my friends, it is worth every cent. It is the church that you are called to plant. It is the business that you are called to found. It is the thesis that you are called to write. Whatever it is that God has called you to, it is your vocation. It's a wonderful word, vocation. It comes from the Latin uh, derivatives of vox, which means voice. Vocation implies someone calling. It implies God calling you. There's no self-made men in the kingdom. You have to be sent. Romans 10. I want to suggest there's no self-made men anywhere. I've never met one man who ever made himself. In fact, if anyone gets any credit for making people, it's women more than men, right? All the ladies, right? But it's God who makes men. Your calling, my friends, your purpose Specifically in serving the kingdom is the pearl of great price. You don't call yourself. It is God who calls you. Go and have a look at Romans 10. How can they preach unless they are sent? We have to be sent. And I want to tell you that if your purpose doesn't serve the kingdom of heaven, then at some point you are going to regret it. It doesn't matter if it's business or teaching or nursing. It's not there to serve yourself. It's there to serve the kingdom of heaven. How do you know? How do you know if my purpose right now is serving the kingdom? Ask yourself a question. Does my purpose support the planting of New Testament churches around the world? Or is it just to make money? Am I translocally hearted? So I'm going to give a few comments and then I'm going to give you uh, four points about this little parable. The first thing that I'm thinking about is why did Jesus choose a pearl? He could have chosen any gemstone, right? Why a pearl? Well, if you know a little bit about pearls, they're made inside of oysters, right? They're made out of hardships and irritations. A little grain of, of, of dirt gets inside of an oyster and instead of throwing it out, the oyster coats it. In layers and layers until eventually you have a pearl. And that's really what happens. Life gives hardships. It gives irritations. And God, through God's power, we are able to coat them with layers and layers of his provision and his grace. It reminds me of that U2 song about grace. that Grace makes beauty out of ugly things. God does that in our lives when we serve his purposes. Every believer, every, everyone here, if you are a believer and a disciple of Christ, there is a pearl for you, but it's going to cost. Don't confuse Jesus with the pearl. Fall in love with Jesus, with the King, not with the pearl. This is I want to tell you from experience, this is very hard to get right. You find the pearl indirectly by following Christ up the mountain. Purpose does not drive the life of the Christian. And I'm sorry, Rick Warren, but I just think that that's very bad theology. Become kingdom-minded by falling in love with the king, not with his calling. It's hard to do. Purpose is not an end in itself. We lead a love-driven life not a purpose-driven life. And I wanna tell you, my friends, whatever you love more than Jesus becomes a spiritual prostitute, an idol in your life. And when you're dealing with the church, when you're dealing with church planting, you are loving his spouse inappropriately. Last year, God had me, I took some time out to just really focus on, on him and what he was saying. And he had me in, in John chapter 21, when Jesus reinstates Peter back into his calling, into his pearl. And the first thing that that Jesus says to Peter is, do you love me more than these? And I couldn't get past that verse. It was, God was tapping me on the shoulder saying, do you love me more than firebrand? More. God, I was in labor for five years over this church. My plan was we were gonna land there in 2009 2010, I was gonna start the church up and it was just gonna fly. That was my plan. It wasn't God's plan. I was in labor for five years with this thing inside of me that, that God kept on saying, not yet, wait. I was pregnant, I would say, with Firebrand for eight years. I left my family. I sold my business for her. And Jesus says, do you love me more than what I've called you to do? There's a word here for moms. Do you love him more than your kids? It's hard to do. When you carry it so close, it may be ridiculously expensive, my friends, but Christ is worth more, whatever it is. The church, resplendent and glorious, is his, it's not mine. I wanna lay claim to it because I gave birth to it. But it's not mine, it's his. It never was mine. You know, I think about Cornerstone, and I, I think about Leon van Dahl and Gert Dahl, who started this church. I think, if I'm, my memory serves me correctly, in 1983. I wonder how many in the congregation today were even alive in 1983. But they didn't start this church. <laughs> Just Marcus, right? <laughs> he was older, <laughs> Oh dear, Marcus, you've got some problems here with your eldership. Well, they didn't actually start the church. Jesus did. This is Jesus' church. He started this church when he was ready to start it. He is the king. Everything uh, references back to the chief cornerstone. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10 to 11. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. But each one must be careful how he builds, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Christ Jesus. It doesn't say pastors, be careful how you build. It says everyone, my friends, be careful how you build your life, what's important to you, kingdom, kingdom, comes first so plant church planting churches invest in them disciple disciple makers who make disciples but love Jesus more love Jesus more than whatever he's called you to do let his voice let his relationship drive your life not purpose okay so we up here at these high places right it's treacherous. The air is are a little thin. Consequences are serious up there. And we're looking for pearls. Disciples follow Jesus up the mountain. Crowds stay down in the valley where life is regular and sensible. I remember those days. Jesus commissions in the high places where we pay ridiculous prices to be part of his kingdom. He is revealed on the mountaintops. He's transfigured where my identity has to be sacrificed. There, in that place, we find pearls that cost us everything. And there, in that place, God demands them back. Look at the story of Abraham and Isaac. We think of Abraham as a great hero. Of our faith, I want to tell you, my friends, if you or I had met Abraham on the way to sacrifice his son, we would have called 911. Or what do you I think it's zero one zero, triple one, right? You would have called the police on him. OK, whatever it is, hopefully I don't get into any trouble while I'm here. Right? You would have called the police on him. Jesus says, "Do you love me more?" All right, four things I'll leave you with today about the ridiculously expensive pearl. The first thing is this it's not called the pearl of great gift, it's called the pearl of great cost. Dreams are free, realizing them is not free. You could be dreaming right now, you could be thinking, Wow, this guy's really waffling on and on. I'm gonna think about lunch. You could be imagining what you're having for lunch. You don't have to lift a finger. You could be thinking about that car you want to buy. You could be driving it down the road in your mind. Dreams are free. I remember listening to um, an interview with David Grohl, the frontman from Foo Fighters. He's talking about when, when Kurt Cobain died and he had to figure out what to do with his life and he felt like he had something in him. I know this is just, this is just a real secular example. Don't, don't worry, it's totally fine. And he got a call from Tom Petty. And Tom Petty said, I want you to come be my drummer. And, he, and he, he said, he put the phone down after saying no because he felt he had something in him to give to the world. And as he put the phone down, he said, what have I done? I've turned down being the drummer for Tom Petty because he believed something inside of him. Most of us fail right there. Do I stay safe and regular or do I risk what God is calling me to. You see, my friends, this merchant was already searching for pearls. It says there, like a merchant in search of fine pearls. He didn't happen to find one in a bag of Doritos that he was eating while he was binge watching The Mandalorian. We tend to think that that's the way it happens. God drops this thing on my lap while I'm arbing off. No, this man was applying himself. He was fanning into flame the gifts God has given him where he happened to be. It takes a great deal of faith to do that and it will be tested again and again. It means a lot of practice. And as you know, anyone who's good at anything was first very, very bad at it. That's what practice is all about. I want to tell you that the highest price that we pay for the pearl is self-esteem. And it's the best thing to get rid of. (laughs) Zechariah chapter three, that's the kind of founding scripture for our church, Firebrand. Joshua, the high priest, is standing before God in the council of heaven and he's silent and he's dirty and he's ashamed and his head is bowed And he's being accused. He had to get rid of his self-esteem. And if I could just tell you this, he was still clothed. And even if it was in filthy rags, it wasn't long after that, that those were removed too. He had to get naked before God, before God clothed him again. Go read Zechariah 3 for some reference. Salvation comes to us as a free gift but the kingdom comes at great cost. It suffers violence, says Jesus in Matthew 11, and the forceful lay hold of it at great personal cost. There's no other way to live in my book. This is the high and the narrow path of victory for the disciple. I would recommend it to anyone. If I could just turn my page, there we go. 2 Corinthians 12, nine. God's power is made perfect in my weakness. Have you ever thought about how, how do we prove that scripture to be true? There's only one way. You have to come to the very end of your strength. There's no other way to know that that scripture is true or not. In Psalm 8, God rules the world through the weak. Those reliant on him the high and the mighty, the movers and the shakers. They think they rule the world. The influences, the presidents, the, the PMs. They're merely pawns. When God addresses the earth, he addresses his church. Revelations two and three. Doesn't write to the to the emperor, to the president, to some big you know, Bill Gates or Elon Musk, he writes to his church. He speaks and deals with his church. When his church changes and humbles herself, then change happens in a nation. The world is waiting for us. I love this, this uh, thought that Michael Eaton once left with us. The world calls him Alexander the Great. But if you read Daniel chapter 8, God calls him an angry goat who thunders from the west, right? Alexander the goat, not Alexander the great. It's the Jobs of the world and the knowers of the world who prove God right in the heavens. Blessed be the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, says Jesus in Matthew 5. The pearl is found and acquired at enormous personal cost, particularly self-esteem. The second thing I want to leave you with is this: the ridiculous, ridiculously expensive pearl is for the kingdom; it's not for personal wealth. It doesn't matter what God has called you to; it's for the kingdom, it's not for personal wealth. I'm not against; I'm not saying the scriptures against personal wealth. I'm just telling you what the pearl is for. The merchant sold all to buy the pearl. How did he feed his kids? Your pull is not just to enrich yourself, to maintain some kind of lifestyle. That's not kingdom. We think about cash. Cash is liquid, but my friends, kingdom is solid. Again, there's nothing wrong with wealth. I'm not against wealth. But chase kingdom. And if God brings wealth, wonderful. Use it for the kingdom. Don't chase wealth. So many liquidate life's work for a comfy retirement and die miserable, sad, and lonely. And we have the world running after the rich and the famous and they can't hold relationships together. And I'm going, why is that attractive? I had a rude example of this just the other day. We went into Stain City. I hope I'm not defending anyone. But uh, that's no way to live. Lots and lots of wealth, but nothing real and eternal. Seek first the kingdom of God, and God will provide. And I want to tell you, He will provide outside of your control. And if you have control issues, you've got to control everything. That's one of the things you're going to have to sacrifice. Release value into the kingdom, and you will have something eternal. If all you have at the end is money, it's going to burn. Have a good read of 1 Corinthians 3. That's great homework for you for today. 1 Corinthians 3. Money and lifestyle are very poor assessments of true value. If you want to know what true value is, it's this. God trades faith for righteousness. It doesn't matter if you're into Bitcoin or whatever you're into. There's no exchange rate like that anywhere in the world. You see, righteousness is heaven's currency. That's the trade of heaven, righteousness. And it's a phenomenal exchange rate. You have a mustard seed of faith and God will give you the righteousness of Christ himself. What an investment, what an exchange rate. But it needs to be tested. Let's not fool around with cash value. Let's invest in kingdom. And I wanna tell you, church planting, is hard, lonely, and very expensive. If God has given you wealth, invest in the church plants in this church. The third thing, it's kind of a circle back, it cost him everything. Not just his self-esteem, everything. All that he had. You can see this in the disciples if you read Luke chapter, chapter 5, you see Peter, James, and John. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. You, you see Matthew doing the same thing. Luke, Luke chapter 5, a little bit later on. Matthew leaving everything, he rose and followed him. We tend to think that the, the gospel of heaven is one of leaving most things or some things. Look, God, I left some things to follow you. No, he wants everything. Pearls. Cost everything that you have. I think about this merchant and I think, how did he educate his kids? How did he pay rent? How did he buy groceries? He sold everything for this pearl. I wonder what his wife thought of his ridiculously expensive pearl when he brought it home. Hey honey, the house, the car, the mortgage, the investment, the retirement, it's all gone because I've got this pearl. These are the challenges of the kingdom man and woman. God has a spiritual provision plan, but it means you've got to lose control and rely on him. A couple of bits of advice about paying everything for the pearl. Be clear on the vision. Wait until you hear a clear vision from God. For you young people, be united with a spouse who has the same kingdom value. I want to tell you there's been years where my wife has carried the burden of our calling together where I just did not have the energy anymore. She's been an absolute strength in my life in our calling together as a team. Take some time to ask those who've done this before. Work closely with this team of leaders in the search of your own pearl. Move slowly, don't rush. I remember Leon used to say to me, you can't move too slowly for God. (laughs) But Leon, I'm 18, I wanna move, I wanna get going. Slow down, of course you can move too slowly for God, but generally we tend to rush into things. Work with this team, be patient. Keep a good record of what God says he's gonna do with you, through you. And don't follow what you perceive as safety. If you're planning to leave this country because you don't think it's safe, it's a bad motive. The safest place for you is in the center of God's will. His kingdom plan. Don't think for a moment that the first world, the developed nations as we like to think of them, whatever that means. Don't think of them as safer, that the grass is greener on the other side. That was a mistake that Lot made. The gospel, my friends, is toxic in the post-Christian world. And if pre-Christian nations have demon gods, so do post-Christian nations. In fact, I would argue that they are worse. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus tells the story of of a man who's delivered from demons, but doesn't, doesn't fill his house with God's spirits. And so they come back worse off. Well, if that's true for individuals, I want to tell you it's true for post Christian nations, even more so. We have faced some big, ugly principalities and powers in the USA. But there will be provision if you are following God's kingdom and you are finding His pearl for you, and it will humble you, and there will be protection. God says, if he shrinks back, if my servant shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. If he wills you to go, you'd better not stay. Woe to me if I don't preach. I spent some years where I wasn't able to preach and it weighed on me. It's my calling. Woe to you if you don't nurse or start a business or practice law, whatever it is God's given you to do, wherever he wants you to do it. Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is like the merchant. He didn't say the kingdom of heaven is like the pearl. He said it's like the merchant. You and I become the kingdom as we follow him. It consumes us. We just sang that this morning. It is the kingdom that consumes us. We are not consumers in God's kingdom. We're the subjects, we are its servants. We are not demanding. Remember what they said about Jesus? Zeal for your house shall consume me. That was Jesus' way of living, and it's the same for us. Zeal for his temple, for his church, needs to consume us and all that we have. There are so many who attempt to live a kingdom life as consumers. (laughs) And I wanna tell you, when things get tough, our prayers change. We end up praying things like, God, let me speak to your manager because this is not working the way that I thought it would. Ever prayed a prayer like that? God says, you're speaking to to my manager. We need to develop a habit of Daniel chapter nine prayers where we plead God's plan back to him with tears God, you said, go read Daniel chapter nine. God, you said you were gonna do this, you were gonna do that, you were gonna do the next thing, uh, fasting and praying on our knees. God, you said, this is a model for us. And it's a path to personal revelation. You look at what happened to Daniel after that. God opened up the heavens. He opened up the plan of all eternity to to Daniel. It overwhelmed him. Why? Because he prayed back to God what God said he was gonna do. The fourth thing, the last thing. There are many kinds of pearls. Find yours. Don't try living mine. In Philippians, Paul says, continue continue to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. Not mine. You don't have to live out my salvation. You need to live out yours. Acts 17 says he, God, has determined the times and exact places where men should live. You are not born out of time, in the wrong era, in the wrong country. You are exactly where God wants you to be and make sure it stays that way. He determines it. Everyone in church is involved in church planting. The kids ministry. Bless you kids ministers. That was our intro into full time ministry is leading kids' ministry is a great training ground. Remember, Keir Taylor, I think it was Keir Taylor once talking about open air ministry and, and how wild it can get. And someone said to him, Well, how do you train for that? He said, It's easy, get involved in kids' ministry. <laughs> kids' ministry is involved in church planting, the seniors' ministry is involved in church planting. Women, men, youth, meeting tonight. Church planting, entrepreneurs, moms, doctors, lawyers, gardeners, whether you stay or whether you go, either you're part of a church planting team or you pray and finance one. Michael Heiser says this, Representing God means every job that honors him is a spiritual calling. Every legitimate task can be part of moving our world towards Eden and and blessing fellow images or not. Elizabeth Elliot, ordinary work, which is what most of us do most of the time, is ordained by God every bit as much as the extraordinary. And I wanna tell you, my friends, there is nothing ordinary about any pearl of great price that God calls you to. It's all extraordinary. When I think about regrets, paths not taken, God has a lot of grace for us when we miss an opportunity but most regret happens because of things we don't do. Not all of it, there's some regret that happens because of things we do. But most of it is because of inaction. Soren in Kikagod says If I ventured wrongly, very well. Life then helps me with its penalty. <laughs> but if I haven't ventured at all, who helps me then? This is an active pursuit. God is requiring something of you to step forward into what he's calling you to. He's not given us a spirit of fear, passive, inactive, petrified. But he's given us a spirit of love, of power, and of sound thinking. Self-discipline, it's active, it's advancing, it's risk-taking, calculated risk-taking. We're living in a world that is trying very hard to be safe at everything. Ideal, Barry and I. We're talking about this yesterday. As if there's a, some ideal world. It's coming. Don't overrealize your eschatology. It's coming one day when Christ comes back. But for now, we need to take risks and God's calling us into that risk-living life. Faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Become a harvest laborer where you are. Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest, that he, that he sends laborers. It doesn't say pray that he sends more harvest. The harvest is there. It's ready. You don't need to pray for more. You need to pray for laborers and you need to be one. Here, catch this vision in this church. Commit yourself to this pearl of great price. And then God will give you of your own. Luke 16, 12 If you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? God's will, your pearl, is found indirectly. Learn God's ways, make them your habit, and you will find God's will. And many people searching after God's will like it's some kind of Harry Potter magic trick you gotta do. No, just focus on his ways. How does God want me to behave? When does he want me to act? That's his ways. And you will find his will clearly. Take your discipleship seriously. Work with this team. Open up those secret areas of your life to someone, an eldership couple, a deacon couple that you trust. Let them see inside. Let them help you with corrections that have to happen. Because if you don't, when you start working with the pearl, it's it's going to be extremely difficult. Work with this team. I love to pray. I'm pretty much done. But I feel that God wants to commission. Would it be alright if I if I prayed for some folk? Let me ask a question. Who here has a dream? Anyone here have a dream? Most of us, right? Most of us have a dream. Some kind of dream, something something that's in our future. Maybe maybe you don't even feel like it's a God dream. That's okay. Will you submit it to Christ today? Will you, will you lay it on the altar like Isaac and say, God, I'm willing to sacrifice this if you call me to? Will you willingly sacrifice after giving birth to this dream? I wanna pray for a couple of people today. There's a few things God laid on my heart. This might sound a bit weird, but just bear with me. Is there anyone who has anything to do with tomatoes? Tomatoes? I don't know, tomato growing. Maybe your business is called Tomatoes. Anyone here? I know that's weird. This is, God does, sometimes does this with me. Anyone have any kind of dream or business, farming, something like that to do with Tomatoes? No one. Okay, well, that could be what I had for dinner last night. Who knows? Um. How about entrepreneurs? Uh, how many entrepreneurs do we have here? People who either have started businesses or are planning to start a business. Your dream is a business. All right, that's great. If you guys wouldn't mind, I'm gonna pray for quite a few people. If you feel comfortable too, I wanna, I wanna pray God's blessing over your businesses. Would you stand where you are? Yeah, come, come up here to the front. Come stand over here I'm gonna pray over you. That's true, yeah. So the tomato thing might be online. Um, if that is you and you're listening in and it's like, yeah, yeah, I've got a business called Tomatoes or I grow tomatoes, please come and speak to this eldership team. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're thinking. Um, somebody involved in, in, in pets, I saw a picture of puppies. Anyone involved in somebody over there? Great. Um, vet, are you a vet? okay. Anyone else involved with animals in some way? Um, are you, do you run your own practice? Um, I recently just to endeavor. Okay, this is for you. This is for you. Uh, God wants to bless what you're doing. Um, is somebody involved in or dreaming about street food? Wanting to start something in terms of street food? Anyone here? felt God say that. Somebody over there. Somebody over there as well. Okay. God wants to bless what you're doing. He wants to, this is a, this is a pearl for you. All right, I'm gonna pray for you guys in particular in a minute or two. There's a few others as well. Uh, money managers. Who's, who's involved in money management somehow? Um, wealth management, okay. A couple of you guys. God wants to bless you too. I'm just calling these out specifically because this is what he laid on my heart. Artists, musicians, writers. Artists, musicians, and writers. How many do we have lots of you guys? That is hard road, guys. You keep going. God is using that stuff. Don't stop. There's a, there's a calling and a vision. And it's gonna cost you. It costs you a lot. But don't stop. Even if you have to do it part-time, keep going. I've just got three more. Nurses. How many nurses do we have? Any nurses here? There's a nurse over there. God bless you for what you do. Keep doing it with, with a kingdom of God in your heart. It can be very thankless, right? It's a hard job. People aren't always very kind, but you keep going. Keep serving people. Teachers, all of our teachers who have had a very strange year, God bless you guys. If you, if you are putting your hands up now, come forward as well. I wanna, I wanna pray for you. And then lastly, how many people here have been called, you know it in your heart, you've been called to plant a church, either to lead or to be part of a church planting team? Who here has been called into that, right? You've heard a lot of that. Uh, I know you have. You, I've heard a lot, you've heard a lot of that um, in, in this church, but God wants to bless you in that. So just open your hearts up. Let me pray for you. Father God, I want to ask that you put your hand on everyone who is here. I pray for that young man, Lord God, who is starting a a vet practice or doing something entrepreneurial with, with animals. Father, put your hand of blessing and provision on him in Jesus' name. Lord God, call him and bless him. I pray for those, Father God, who have got a vision for street food in some way. Would you provide for them, Lord God, and bless them. I pray for our money managers, those who are called to manage wealth, create more wealth, bless them, Father God, and encourage them, I pray. I pray for our artists, our musicians, and our writers. Father, would you inspire them, Lord God, would you give them that the, the Silas anointing of being able to write what you've called them to write that will change the world? Would you inspire our artists, Lord God, and our musicians that we would sing more songs of glory to you? I pray for our nurses, that your hand would be on them even as they find their way through this difficult time, Lord God, and our teachers. Bless them, Lord God, I pray. Give them, give them inspiration and ideas of how to go through this time of our lives, our biblical teachers, Lord God, anoint them, I pray. And then I pray for everyone here who is called to plant a church, be part of a church planting team. Would you bless them, Lord God? Would you provide for them? Would you help them as they as they walk in those high places and find the pearl of great price in Jesus' name? Just stay where you are. There's
1: something else Meg wants to share. Just during worship, I had a picture of... Um... It was like a waterfall that was pouring over this church. And everybody was standing, it was kind of um, knee deep in this water. And I just, I was praying, I was saying, God, what is that? What is that about? And it's about provision, it's about fresh. It's, it's, it's about whatever you need to do, what it is, what Alan's talking about. You have it, those of you that said i can 't because i can 't but if only i don 't have the skills i don 't have the faith i don 't have the i don 't have what it takes it 's there. what you have to do is drink, bend down, pick up that water, take a sip, and have faith, and trust God, take that step God said. My word is a lamp unto your feet. It doesn't shed, it doesn't shed light for the right down. It sheds light for that next step. God is faithful.